All right, Pat, we are really battling the elements here, getting these mini-sodes recorded. We've actually made our third and fourth round pick here. We, we had quite the sweat for our third round pick. We're ultimately happy with it, but it wasn't exactly what we wanted. Yeah, we uh, talked on the previous podcast about wanting A.J. Brown to fall to us. He got within one pick. Uh, he goes right before us. We knew we had either A.J. Brown or T. Higgins lined up with our pick, um, both those guys available. But the Brown snipes still really hurt. Um, I think partially because, like, I'm, I'm taking Jamar Chase and T. Higgins together in best ball. Yeah. Uh, I don't really have an issue doing that. But it does feel a little bit less exciting in the main event where, like, you're starting both of those guys if you make the, the finals. You're starting both those guys in your lineup most likely. They're probably not having gigantic weeks together. So it's just a little less exciting than, you know, imagining the upside scenario playing out for A.J. Brown and plugging him in with Jamar Chase. Yeah, no, I feel the same way. And it's definitely we are all kind of locked in right now to having done a ton of drafts in underdogs format where the, you know, essentially the four uncorrelated tournaments, these spike weeks from teammates can kind of really work out in a nice way. But in this one where we're looking at, you know, a million dollar top prize to a week 15 through 17 cumulative scoring, I do think it kind of hurts us. You know, the other teams, like if we're getting ceiling games from two to three AJ Brown weeks, weeks 15 through 17 and two to three or two ceiling games from Jamar Chase, that's probably better than, you know, even alternating Jamar Chase, T Higgins ceiling game. So I do think it kind of hurts us overall. It also lowers our floor for sure in our individual 12th man league. You know, I think there's, you know, the, the games where the Bengals go off, we're going to be very well positioned, but we're going to have, you know, assuming we also target Joe Burrow, which I think is likely, we're going to also have some weeks where the Bengals just have rough weeks and that's going to just really crater our team because we're going to be taking on extreme levels of variance just on a week to week basis. Uh, we lost Pat, but yeah, so we'll, I'll talk through this while Pat hops back on. So yeah, we were really pulling for AJ Brown. You know, T Higgins is like an awesome consolation prize. Like I, you know, it's just in the context of having taken Jamar chase where it's, it just feels a little bit weird, but it's like, who can be upset about a Jamar chase Kyle Pitts T Higgins start. Yeah, I do think it also helps us take down the league. Like you, you mentioned, it lowers our floor, but it also increases our ceiling for winning the league. Um, you know, and there is some decent money in just winning your 12-team league. And then I also think, like, you know, there are scenarios where T. Higgins has a smash week, Jamar Chase is fine, Jamar Chase has another has a smash week, T. Higgins is fine. If we do get Burrow paired up with him, then I still I still think we have a pretty darn high ceiling over a three-week period with these three players, we're going to need to hit on some other picks, obviously, but everyone else is going to need to do that too. So I guess, I mean, maybe we should talk about why we picked T Higgins over some of the remaining guys on the board, because all we've done is talk about how it hurts our ceiling, but I still think he's a tier above, you know, the guys like Mike Williams, James Connor, David Montgomery went right after uh, Travis Etienne, Nick Chubb. Uh, and then Waller and Kittle, I think are very good picks in this range, but we already had pits. And I think, uh, I like having the extra wide receiver firepower over our second tight end that early. Yeah, that was really our big conversation. I think we teed it up in the last mini. So talking through what the two V twos would look like with wide receiver in the second round tight end in the third. Cause like Pat said, we'd obviously have access to Waller or Kittle. So we ultimately were looking at Debo Waller 
versus Kittle T Higgins. And, but at the time we also knew we had outs for AJ Brown there. And I think all of us were like, give us Pitts AJ Brown for sure. in that two B two, I think in retrospect, it is a little close, right? Like, I don't know if you could tell me right now, we could swap this, this start and have Debo in Waller. I mean, would you undo it knowing, knowing how it went? I think I prefer Pitts Higgins to um, Debo Waller, but that's in a vacuum. I, you know, if we had Justin Jefferson instead of Chase, I definitely would. Yeah. But it is close once you add the fact that we have Chase and, you know, unless some weird stuff happens where like Chase misses a game, we've hit on another smash pick later and T Higgins is like the wide receiver two, you know, ranked going into week 15 or something. Um, he smashes and then you, and then Chase comes back and crushes. Like, I guess those scenarios could play out, but overall, um, you probably, probably do prefer the Debo 2v2 having Chase and Higgins together, I think, right? Yeah, no, I, I do as well. And it's like, you know, I know people are getting high on Mike Williams. He's going at the 2 3 turn on underdog in a lot of drafts. He's flipped Keenan Allen a decent amount on underdog, but like, to me, there's such a massive, like the way I view T Higgins, like I view T Higgins as being closer to CD lamb. Like it's like Adams and Diggs go off the board. Then I think it should be like Debo Higgins and lamb. And instead we had Tyree kill Keenan Allen, Michael Pittman, you know, all go ahead of him. So like, I, I do feel like we got a legit value on Higgins at this cost. It's just, we're feeling somewhat conflicted about it because we also have Jamar chase. For sure. Yeah, I think I think that's really what it comes down to. I think this is an incredible price for Higgins. Um, I think he's undervalued in general. I, I take him on the, the 2-3 turn and underdog a fair amount. Um, obviously, it's a wide receiver, a bit more valuable in full PPR. So I love him at this price. I don't know. Maybe this is like a super hot take, but I think he's better in real life than C.D. Lamb. Yeah. So, like, I think if, if Higgins was on the Cowboys instead of Lamb, we'd be really, really excited. You know, I, Lamb's already going on the one-two turn, but I think we might see him go where kind of where Diggs is um, if he was in that situation. So, uh, I don't know. To get the player of that talent level is so exciting to get a player on an offense that I think might take a step forward in terms of their pass volume because their offensive line has gotten so much better, particularly in pass blocking. They are okay in run blocking last year, but they should be a lot better this year as a pass blocking unit. Uh, they were quite passive two years ago. Um, under Zach Taylor. I know he was pretty disappointing his play calling at times last year, but I think there's a lot of upside for this offense to embrace the engine of their offense being Burrow and these two receivers. So uh, I think, you know, from a kind of an in-season ceiling perspective, it's an awesome move over a three-week period. Not as exciting as A.J. Brown, but still happy to get him. Yeah, and I mean, we did, you know, Gretch, uh, and Gretch is traveling right now. He'll be back for our other mini-sodes. But, um, you know, he mentioned, you know, Chubb and ETN here um, as well, just as viable options. But none of us were passing on A.J. Brown and Higgins. It was more if, you know, Brown and Higgins went, and we were more debating, like, Keenan Allen and Pittman um, versus, like, ETN and Chubb, maybe we would have thought about grabbing a little third-round anchor running back here. But ultimately – there was no way we were not taking Higgins here already having locked up a tight end. And, you know, I think all of us feel a pretty big tear gap down to Mike Williams after that. Yeah. The thought of getting sniped on Higgins and AJ Brown actually gave me a pit in my stomach. So I do feel like we made the right, 
decision to go Higgins over. I mean, Chubb in the third round is Chubb is so good that in the third round, if he went three twelve here, I mean, that's we're not really targeting that archetype like ever, but like that's an awesome pick at three twelve. Yeah, and so then we – I think we kind of knew how the board was going to fall that, like, unless we got, like, an insane Brees Hall fall. Like, I think if Brees Hall fell to us here at the in the late fourth, we would have been pretty interested in that. But we were always kind of on wide receiver watch here. We had, obviously, a bunch of running backs go on the board. If you're listening to the audio version, we had after Mike Williams, James Conner, David Montgomery – George Kittle went, then ETN Chubb Hall at the uh, 3-4 turn. And then, of course, we see one of our favorites go, DJ Moore, and then Sutton Waddle go, who were all on our short list. And, um, you know, we were then kind of, I believe our decision mainly came down to Marquise Brown versus Deontay Johnson at this point. Yeah, and you made a really strong point on on Brown, which which you should make here. Yeah, I mean, you know, and you also brought up too. So Brown is definitely going much earlier. Well, not much, but he's going earlier than this on underdog. He's more of a three, four turn pick. And he has the market has kind of started to value him ahead of even, you know, DJ Moore and and Waddle a bit. Um, But my thought on Marquise Brown is we know he's going to get off to a fast start because he can be a target hog with DeAndre Hopkins out, we saw even the Ravens using him as a bit of a target hog, kind of, you know, moving past just being a downfield player. So I like that he, in this format, we can get off to a fast start with him, which I think is, you know, something historically we've struggled with specifically with zero RB builds that aren't giving us enough points. So I like that firepower early. I also think he just has outs to big weeks in the playoffs, even when Hopkins returns. They also, I mean, the Cardinals have just a, a beautiful chef's kiss playoff schedule. So that will also come in handy, you know, with that million dollar top prize. And then, you know, finally too, like, you know, obviously we're going to want to get Joe Burrow, but we're also open to some of these other rushing QBs and want to be open to them falling at good prices. So getting a potential stack with Marquise Brown, where it's like, Hey, we can get our access to the Bengals via chase and Higgins. We don't necessarily have to force a borough selection, like I, I really feel good about how this kind of lined up for us. I do too. Yeah. I, I love the point about getting off the fast start. Um, that's, that's one of the things that really sold me on Brown over Johnson, which I think is, is fairly close. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is shaping up as a zero running back build or something very akin to that. So uh, getting a, that fast start wide receiver, I think is really nice. The point on the, the gap between this ADP and underdogs ADP that that's not brought up because one, I think underdogs ADP is pretty sharp. So you kind of get, it's like another market thinks he would be a screaming value here. Um, also like, you know, he could catch quite a few passes, perhaps a lot more than we're used to from Marquise Brown, uh, yeah. especially early in the season. So, you know, the PPR element, I think is pretty nice um, to get him at a, a discount to a half PPR ADP. But then also like, this is one of the first main events, right? So we could see some shifts in the ADP going forward. So ultimately, maybe the ADP moves towards underdog here, and we get a really, really nice ADP value on Marquise Brown, uh, you know, a potential unique construction, um, which could be quite nice in, in the three-week period if we make it there. Yeah. No, I, I definitely think he could be someone that's going to climb up and – it is, you know, Deontay Johnson, I think, is an incredibly solid pick. I know Gretch is, has been in on Johnson. I know we've taken him on a few of our streams 
um, specifically underdog streams too. But yeah, Marquise Brown seems just like a really, really nice pick for us. And I do, I know we all want to prioritize an elite quarterback too. And I do just like that this kind of gives us access to really smart ways to do that. Um, whereas if we can get Kyler out of value, that then will really kind of deflate the pressure on, on locking in Burrow. Yeah, I think Kyler might – well, both quarterbacks actually, I think, set up okay for us in terms of pockets. Um, yeah. So Kyler might come back to us in a sixth, right? And then um, we could be potentially looking at Burrow in the eighth or ninth. So uh, I, I really do like having the out to a, an elite quarterback. Because one of the things with Burrow is like, although it would be really nice to have him with his top two pass catchers, uh, he doesn't – he's not going to have the rushing upside of Kyler Murray – and I don't know, part of me feels like we've maybe captured the entire Bengals passing game already. So <laughs> we get, yeah, we get the upside with the rushing. Maybe, maybe that's uh, just as good. Yeah. And you mentioned it too. I mean, we're clearly uh, on a path for a true zero RB build here. I mean, all of us were open to certain, you know, values falling. Like I mentioned, I think Brees Hall would have been a very fun pick if he fell you know, in the fourth year, but the way this is setting up now, um, I know we have a couple targets we really like in the early fifth, you know, if Gabriel Davis is there, if Rashad Bateman is there, you know, those are guys that are just going to be very, very tough for us to pass up on. And then we're also, like you said, going to maybe be looking at quarterback in round six, potentially if Kyler's there. So I think we are on a trajectory for a very true zero RB build. Um, you know, once Dobbins goes off the board here, you know, Paul and Dobbins have really kind of been my dead zone exceptions. ETN as well. His ADP has gone up though. So I, I, I have a hard time seeing us taking a running back in these next couple rounds right now. Dobbins was the one I had my eye on. Um, you know, if he were to get back, which is, which is a long shot and he goes a couple of picks after we, a very, the very next pick, I guess, after we took Brown. So yeah, I don't really see who we would take. Uh, I'm kind of sitting out this like next tier and a half. So, and I think we're set up well, like, and that's actually one of the reasons why I liked Brown in the fast start argument so much is that, you know, it's like, okay, well, if Dobbins doesn't make it back and he probably won't, we're totally set up for a zero. Like this is going to be a true zero running back build. So, uh, you know, getting that fast start is important in that build, which can get off to a little bit of a slow start at the running back position as we know. Um, But I mean, this is, this is still like a really juicy time, I think, for some of these zero running back targets. We'll probably have to be a little bit um, reachy with some of the guys that we like at running back because, you know, we're, we're used to underdog where they uh, where drafters generally stop drafting running backs once, <laughs> once they have enough. Uh, that, that might not happen here. Yeah, no, for sure. And I do, I do agree. And we always, if you guys have been watching the show for years, I mean, Pat and I always reference the main event from, I don't know what it had been three years ago. Basically it was the uh, Darwin Thompson and justice Hill year. And, you know, Pat and I are trying to pull off a zero RB build and you're looking at these boards and these were the trendy guys going the 11th, 12th round throughout the off season. And then they're going in the seventh and eighth round by the time FFPC draft weekend kicks off. So I do agree with Pat that, you know, what drives running back ADP is kind of projectable volume. And we have a lot of ambiguity with these backfields right now. And I think that's keeping their ADPs, you know, um, 
bogged down a little bit in, in a nice range. Whereas as we get more clarity, as the season moves on, like the cream of the crop, zero RB targets are naturally going to get pushed up. Whereas right now we just really haven't had that yet. And I do still agree that they, the popular guys, your Pollard, your AJ Dillon, they're still going to be hot commodities, but I do think just in general, it's, and I, I'd actually, it's really interesting because Sean might disagree with this. I know he likes to draft later in the season. We have more information, but I do think it's much easier to build like a zero RB super team earlier in the off season. Cause there's just going to be so many more values to be had. I completely agree with that. And I mean, the FFPC guys, like, you know, they, they pay a lot of attention to the news and training camp reports and the buzz and stuff. Like, you know, if Ramondre looks like he might start, for the Patriots by, you know, a couple weeks into the season. Like, he's legit challenging for the, the starting job. Like, that is going to be fully baked in to September ADP in FFPC. Like, you know, we have our disagreements with some of the FFPC drafters about, like, you know, wide receiver value, running back value, structural drafting and stuff. But, like, I'm not sleeping on their ability to, to, to price in all, all the kind of upside um, training camp nuggets. So, yeah. And it, it, the reason you can't be asleep at the wheel is because we are racing to fill our flex with wide receivers. Well, they're racing to fill their flex with running backs. So like we are going to meet in the middle trying to get, um, you know, a head on collision, us trying to get an RB one and they're them trying to get their RB four <laughs> for the flex. And, you know, both of those pockets of the draft are going to be attractive to zero RB drafters and running back, uh, running back lovers trying to, to start for running back. So yeah, it's something we'll have to be for cognizant of, but um, I do think we're going to be like, just knowing like the, the Hines and the Gainwells and, you know, these rookies right now who, you know, like we haven't gotten a ton of buzz on Spiller and cook and you're starting to just hear it a little bit now and they're going to start to inch up. So I, I, it's like, I'm now being like, let's get this draft going. You know, I want to get to the, the 10th, 11th yeah, and yeah. guys before the news reports come out. Yeah, there was some good stuff on uh, Rashad White this week. Uh, Greg Allman was on a good football show mentioning he's like, he's, I think he's the number two back. Like, this isn't yeah. a Keyshawn Vaughn situation. He's already the number two. So, like, stuff like that is kind of, you got to dig for it a little bit more right now. Um, once you stop having to dig for it, once it's like just kind of known um, or just like on all of the, the news blurb uh, sites and stuff, yeah, all these guys probably move up. All the guys we want right now is probably going to move up by like two rounds. <laughs> so. Yeah. So this this will be a fun one. I don't know if when whenever we've done the minisodes, I'm pretty sure we've always had an anchor running back. So I believe this might be our first minisode kickoff draft where we've gone true zero RB. So this will be fun. We'll get Gretch back in the fold. I know all of us have been like traveling and moving around. I'll be back at my computer um, here for the next couple of picks at least. So. Appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. We'll keep walking through our thought process with this main event. If you're listening to the audio version, we are to recap Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, T Higgins, Marquise Brown heading into the fifth round here. Uh, Pat, anything else I'm forgetting? Got to get another wide receiver in the fifth. Another wide receiver in the fifth can never get enough wide receivers. If you're listening to the audio version of this and you'd like to get the video versions, we are making those available for our ship chasing VIPs on the YouTube channel. You can become a YouTube member that also unlocks uh, a discord channel. We have a very fun group in there uh, as well. So you can come and join us. So for Pat, for Gretch, for myself, we'll see you guys next time. Peace.